Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Good afternoon. Here we are with Conversation 2023. I'm super excited to have a very dear friend of mine with us today. This is Ruth. She is a part of my death posse. You heard me talk about that in a previous episode. Someone who I can talk about death and dying with anytime, anywhere. She's willing. She is a great conversationalist, and I think you'll really enjoy Ruth today. How are you, Ruth? Hi, Kathy. I'm very well, thank you. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm very glad to be here as well. Are you ready to dive in and have a little conversation about dying and death? Yes, let's dig in. (laughs) Great. So for a little background, Ruth joined me when I was hosting Death Cafes because we had kind of had personal conversations about death and dying. And then when I told her I wanted to host these Death Cafes, Being the supportive and kind friend that she is, she wanted to come and join in. She has been such a fabulous and important participant in the Death Cafe. I thought it was really important for you all to meet her today. So I'm just going to ask some questions and we're just going to have a conversation. Let's begin. So Ruth, what, besides being my friend, encouraged you or got you interested in attending a Death Cafe? Yes, so I'm glad you asked, Kathy. I have been a part of some different clubs, and they had speakers come, and we happened to hear one from a hospice organization that talked about how important it is to talk about death and dying, and then also to communicate with family members to let family members know how you want things done before you're in a situation that renders you incapable of doing so. So I got to thinking that maybe it was very important to start talking about it with my family. I think you're right. Uh, That's largely why I even started this whole endeavor myself. And then, you know, through the years that you and I have been friends, we've had opportunities to personally experience what happens when you do find yourself incapacitated and unable to share with your family what your needs and desires are. It didn't have a good end. And that is with me a lot. I don't know if you think about that situation. Yes. And uh, there was... um some other situations that happened in 2008 with me. I moved my mother out to where I lived to a nursing home from another one where she had been living. And one of the things that impacted me greatly is finding among her possessions a notebook describing everything she wanted to have done at her funeral. Hmm. And that was so helpful when finally at the age of 92 in 2008, she passed away and I was able to design the funeral as closely to what she wanted and to honor her life that way. And and it was it was wonderful. I agree. My mom and I, when she was reaching the end of her life, wrote down all of her wishes as well. And I even had her sign and date it. That way, if anyone had any questions, we could go back to that. And there was a need to go back to it because as you know, Ruth, at the end of someone's life, there is such a flurry of activity in the midst of grief and sadness to have that that anchor, that gift, I think, that your mom gave your family of having all of that laid out was really, um, for me, a peace finder. I hope it helped you in that way. It did. And it also, it took away some of that thought about losing her because I was busy attempting to honor her wishes. And so it gave me 
a way to stay busy and being able to lean into the grief later. That's a lovely tribute for someone who's such a big, important part of your life. It is. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. You brought something to mind, too, as you were speaking about just having all these plans and, you know, wondering, because I had mentioned the idea of being incapacitated and not being able to know end-of-life wishes. Did you have an opportunity to talk with your mom about some of the things that she would have wanted hospitalized or in the nursing home or at the end of her life? No, we we had not had the availability to do that because my mother, by the time I moved her, she was uh, incapable really of talking. So it was just wonderful to have found this one document that assisted that. There was one thing that happened though. One time I I did visit her in the nursing home, which I, I did frequently. But this one time, so when she turned 88, I had all my friends come to celebrate her birthday. And when she turned 90, I wanted to do the same. And she got a face on her that that expressed anger about it. Mm. So what I finally concluded was that she did not want to know she was 90. Mm. Wow, I would think you'd want to shout that from the rooftops. I know, but not not her. (laughs) For some reason, she just didn't want to acknowledge it to herself that she had reached that age, I think. But of course, she couldn't express to me really what her thinking was, so I just had to make assumptions. Well, and isn't that what we're kind of talking about here? Not leaving your family having to make assumptions and decisions that they're not sure you would want for yourself. Right, and so that's what was so valuable, that that she had the wherewithal to write it down. She had not told me that she had written it down. Hmm. She had never said it, but, but as I said, I was lucky enough to find it among her belongings. That's great. So... You talked about your mom a little bit, Ruth, and how it was a gift that she had given you. That was probably my words, but this opportunity to serve her at the end of her life, being able to find out what it was that she wanted for her funeral, etc. And you that you had gone through her belongings and you had expressed kind of this idea that you had to make assumptions because at some point she was unable to verbalize anything. Do you worry about that with your children? and your wishes? Yes, so through these processes with what happened with my mother and seeing these speakers uh, present their thoughts on it and then also going through the death cafe, I became more and more aware that these were important conversations for families to have, not to necessarily to get morbid, but just like, you know, preparing for the future as you do with savings accounts or mm-hmm. any any preparation you do for the future, to have those things in place were, was important. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it. And nowadays, I have seen notebooks that are put together. I actually bought a book similar to this this year. It's a book that has where are all your important papers located? Where are all your passwords located? How can they deactivate all your electronic accounts? How do they access your bank account? All of that. And there's a space in there for what kind of funeral do you want? Who do you want notified of your passing, etc. I think all of those are such important tools. And if you can't have the conversation face-to-face with your family, I suppose the book would be a reasonable substitute. Yes, so, so it's good for me to know about this book because that is the kind of thing I'm doing kind of 
informally in my house, I am starting to label things for instance, things that belong to other people, I'm labeling it here. This belongs to somebody else. Please get it to them. <laughs> and and here's their information. <laughs> so so it would be helpful. And I have actually started to have a few conversations with two of my three daughters. So the thing is, is that I'm not certain what I really want at the end. So I've been actually trying to work out with them to sort of help me figure out what I do feel like I want. Do you know what you don't want? Right. I don't know that either. So some conversations had to be had then and, and some, some maybe some self-education so that you can further educate them. Yeah, that's true. So still there's, there's some reluctance to discuss it. And there may be some reluctance on my part too. It's, a, it's, a, it's difficult, even though you know the value of it it still becomes difficult. Well, I think it becomes real when we start talking about it. It's one thing to sit at a death cafe with people we don't know and just kind of wax poetic about, you know, this or that uh, process or this or that um, tribute we'd like to have for ourselves or people that we love. But when we're actually talking about our real experiences, our real desires, I think it elevates the conversation sometimes to a pretty, I, I don't want to use the word scary, but let's just say a scary level. An uncomfortable level. How about that? Yeah, I think that uncomfortable would describe it well. Yeah, so uh, I, I just wish my family could sit down and we could discuss it and and let them know that this doesn't mean that this is my end at this particular time. It's just, again, that preparation like a savings account for a rainy day. <laughs> Well, and you have raised your daughters to be pretty fiscally responsible, uh, and your granddaughter too, for that matter. What do you think if you approached it from that kind of practical level? Yeah, and I think just through this conversation right now, that that was, has become a realization for me. You know, that's the way to uh, broach the subject with them, is to just say that this is, uh, you know, a future savings account. <laughs> kind of thing or some other analogy that would reflect the future plannings. I bet you could do it in a way where you're not using any of those scary words like estate planning or end of life planning. And with you being so prolific in, in reading and speaking and writing, I bet you could come up with the right word. Yeah, and I feel like um, actually this uh, conversation right now is helping me formulate some of those as we speak. Well, that's exciting. That's the whole point. So thank you for even expressing that today. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been very helpful to me as well. Well, great. So we're not done yet. I, you know, I want more of Ruth today. Our death cafes used to run about 90 minutes to two hours, depending. I'm not going to keep you here that long today. But I have a question for you. You've talked about your granddaughter going on this wonderful trip. I don't even want to call it a junket because this is an extended vacation trip that she's taking with some friends abroad. Tell me about what she's been doing for you since she's been gone. Right. So my granddaughter, we've had a very close relationship throughout our lives. Uh, when she was very young, for about seven years, I took her to the national parks because I was passionate about them. So, uh, so I have um, the travel bug very seriously. And I took her to Europe as well when she was 12. And one of the things we did in Europe, so we went to Paris and we went to several cities in Italy. And one of the things 
that we did a lot of in each city was to go to the art museums because I'm passionate about that. But over over the course of her life, I have shared things like symphonic concerts because I'm passionate about those. I also shared some of my former trips to Europe where I had skied in Austria and and had explained that kind of wonderful experience to her. And the other things that I'm passionate about is libraries. I love huge libraries. And so one time we were in a library when she was only maybe three or four years old, or we were in a big city, and and there was a beautiful, huge library that I wanted to impart to her. And so we went into the library, and we went through the aisles, and I grabbed a book off the aisle that was an adult book, um, you know, like from Thomas Carlyle, as it turned out. And I just started reading out of the book. We were sitting in the aisle where it was very quiet and peaceful, reading a little bit of Thomas Carlyle's book to her. Not that I expected her to understand any of it, but but I think she apparently enjoyed the uh, the experience because right now in this trip she's taking, she is in Vienna, or she started out in Vienna, where she is sending me pictures that she went to art museums and her favorite artist was there. And then she's also, we did a lot of uh, food experiences. So she's sending me pictures of all her beautiful gourmet foods. Let me interrupt here just one second. Ruth is a foodie and she has taught her family to be foodies, including her granddaughter. So that is extra special. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. Um, yeah, so, so in fact, she's even become a chef. And so it was kind of interesting that when I asked her for pictures, she sent me these pictures of things that we had experienced, you know, the museum and then the, all the different foods. Every town now she's given me pictures of, sent me pictures of food. <laughs> and uh, so the other thing, though, that she had done was to make sure that she skied in Austria. Mm. So she actually skied in Austria. And then when she went to Budapest in Hungary, all of a sudden she sent me a picture of this gorgeous library, huge Mm. library in Budapest. And and she had the caption of this was her dream library. So I felt like I really had influenced her and impacted her way more than, than one even thinks when you're doing things, you know, you don't realize you're really impacting somebody. And so it it made me feel good to see all these wonderful experiences. But the other thing is, is when we went to the national parks, one of the things that I always mentioned to her, and it didn't ever seem to rattle her in any way, um, as even as young as she was, I mentioned that when I died that I wanted my ashes thrown at every single national park <laughs> that we had visited it over the seven years. So I don't, I'm wondering if that impacted her, so maybe that will happen. <laughs> you know, with the way that she's almost recreating the, your history together at this time in her young life, I wouldn't be surprised because I think 
we can have more impact and influence by what we do than what we say. And while she seemed unflappable at age nine through seven years, right? Mm-hmm. So so nine through 16, basically, she may have seemed unflappable and unaffected by your request. But seeing what she's doing now as she's traipsing along this journey, I wouldn't be surprised if that came up at some point. Do you think that you could ask that question of her now? Yeah, I I might actually let her know that I feel like many of the things we had done seems to have impacted this trip that she's taking and that I was wondering how she felt about the comments that I had made about my ashes being thrown when I passed away in some of these beautiful environments in the national parks. I should ask her, that's a good point, to ask her how she feels about it or whether it impacted her in any way. And in what and what way did it impact her? I think that's a great conversation starter. And when we talk about Death Cafe, remember the bowl or the envelope that I used to have with all the little slips of paper in there? All those little questions or statements that we would give opinions about or discuss as a group. Imagine having your National Parks question being that conversation starter. Yeah, that would be an amazing one. And, and actually through the Death Cafe, those questions were very helpful to zero in your own thoughts on these kinds of questions. And the other thing I felt like I also learned from the Death Cafe was how important it is to have those conversations. And I learned a lot about advanced directives in terms of when you do become very ill, what kinds of things do you want your family to know you want in the hospitals and, and the and the healthcare. And so that that was very important for me to learn about. Yeah, I think you and I filled one out together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And and then um I think I had lost mine and or I did I misplaced it. I'm sure it's around somewhere. And then you gave me a new one to fill out. Yes. Well, you know, so I talked in a recent podcast after I was in the hospital about how I had filled one out and I've helped people fill theirs out several times. But it's important to even revisit those things that we fill out because what I believe today may not be what I believe in the future and probably isn't what I thought in the past either. So since we're talking about it, maybe you can dig out that blank or I can give you a new one and you can write it down again. And then after you fill it out, The next step, of course, is to get it signed and to make it an official document. What's important after that, of course, is making sure everyone knows where it's located. Because as you and I know, if you can't find it, it's no good. Yes, that's absolutely right. And my thinking, too, does uh, continue to evolve in terms of what I thought I wanted before and now what I want. So, yeah, these are important things for sure to have. I agree. Uh, You know, and I think that's why I found the Death Cafe so important and also why I moved away from the Death Cafe model because I wanted to be able to have more educational conversations with people, more directed conversations to help people kind of come to that decision of of deciding. (laughs) It's a decision to decide, I guess, but but to at least know what you want. And so thank you for sharing that. I think that's really important. So we can wrap up now, but I have one important question to ask you before we finish. Okay. What is the one thing you want people to say they knew and loved about you? Wow, that's a pretty deep question. (laughs) Especially with no practice, right? (laughs) Absolutely. 
I was not expecting that question. So I just would like people to just remember me as somebody who was kind and respectful of them and and loving and how much I enjoyed life. Life was not always easy. There's always struggles along the journey. But what I remember more than anything are the wonderful things and how that I would like them to recognize that I was positive and enjoyed those activities and togetherness the most. The other thing I was thinking is that I'm kind of getting up there in age where you start thinking that, yeah, you know, it could happen anytime. And so one of the thoughts that I'm having now is all of a sudden it has transitioned. I don't feel like I'm quite ready for that. But of course, I feel like at this point, I have been thinking that if it happens, it's okay, because I have felt like I have lived a very rich and enjoyable life and that I appreciate everything I've done and all the people who are in my life, whom I love dearly, are going to be taken away in my heart. Thank you for sharing that. I concur. I I find you loving, positive, someone who can endure a lot and still be happy and joyful. It's a great example. Thanks for sharing that off the cuff and unexpected. You're welcome. And this has been very enlightening and wonderful to be here with you, Kathy, today. Thanks so much, Ruth. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed Ruth as much as I do um, on a regular basis. She and I have become really dear friends. And to be sitting here across from somebody who's in my death posse, knowing that we will have those final conversations together, to share them with you is a real treat. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learned from it like we have today. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. You can go to my website for more articles, little news pieces, or a transcript of this podcast. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send me an email too. Thanks again, and until next time, take care.